Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're joined by JB, and I've got a, a, a huge guest, actually, TV star, Pistol. How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Uh, I was really happy with this week. I was super stressed out because my trades at the end involved not getting Lockie Neal, even though I wanted to get Lockie Neal, and um, I came to you panicked at... They were literally kneeling on the on the Thursday night match where I decided to trade in Howe. Um, I was all over the place, but it ended up turning out well, so I was pretty happy with um, uh, 2,303 points this week. How did you do, JB? How, how are you ranked with that, by the way? Uh, roughly 5K, so good. get around there. Just uh, a couple more weeks like this will hold me in good stead. Well, you're definitely carrying me. I, I came back from my first week, uh, which was around rank 40K. Uh, I managed to cut that in half this week down to 20K. I, I scored 2218. Uh, I didn't get house. So I'm pleasantly surprised at that rank jump. Um, I'll most likely be getting him this week, biting the bullet. Uh, instead, I opted to go for someone like Shannon Hearn for a bit of a point of difference, which uh, cost me about 40 to 50 points. So uh, not ideal, but the rest of my trades went down pretty well. So I think I got Rivers in. I'm, I'm trying to think actually now because uh, I did some. <laughs> I got Simkin in. I got Simkin in, uh, which meant Dunkley out. So I lost points there. Uh, but the way I moved my money turned out pretty well. So uh, I think all all together it was a net positive on my trades. Uh, we've got a couple of shout outs to do from our Patreon this week. So we got new guys Reese W and Fozzy Lapone. So welcome to you, lads. Straight into Slack. Fozzy has been throwing some wild heat all day today. Fozzy's uh, been so. with us since day dot. He was commenting on the, our first podcast, second podcast, uh, every week on, on Facebook. So about time, basically, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's come straight in with a Celtics profile picture, so I feel bad for the guy already. <laughs> straight um, in, straight out. Um, besides that though the 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 patreon has been popping off all week most people talking about some of our big ins and outs that we're considering for the week coming and that's what we're going to get straight into so a short and sharp podcast most likely here pistol i'm going to start us off with a bit of rookie talk um we've got benel rivers darcy cameron georgiatis Sturt McHenry amongst the the better looking rookies from the week gone. Uh, McHenry lucky to get a shout out in there, but we only have the two trades. A few people went early on the likes of Rivers just for a bit of defensive cover, but how are we prioritizing getting these guys in versus maybe moving premiums? Well, what are your thoughts on this? So for starters. Um, I didn't get to see exactly what McHenry looked like, so I can't really judge how good-looking the players were, as you suggested, JB. But um, Rivers, <laughs> <laughs> Rivers, uh, Benel, and McHenry found their way into my side already. Um, so I'm set, but so I can only really talk about the players that I don't have um, for me personally. But what to answer your question about what would I do in certain in terms of prioritizing, um, cash generation is always key. If you have rookies that are not playing, so you've got dead rookies on your bench or hopefully not on your field, getting in the players that are playing to make the money should be the number one priority ahead of swapping around primos. Like definitely increase your cash generation because later in the year, that's how you finish your team. Um, I don't think there's any other option. It's not like an, an if or but, or I can get rid of Houston now if I trade him. It's focus on the rookies that you need first because every single year, the best rookies are the ones 
at the well, I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule, but the ones at the beginning of the season are the ones that make their way into the best 22 of their teams and play majority of games. It's so much harder to absolutely nail a rookie you know, halfway through the year, they might come in and play one good game or two good games and then get dropped and they're never back. These are the rookies that have worked their way in over the break that you want to get as many of them that you can, JB. Okay, so I'm sure I'll be able to try and stump you later with a couple of if, ands, or buts on those rules that you've just laid out. But um, firstly, if you if you started none of these rookies, for example, you have none of these guys in your team, I'm going to immediately put a, a little cross next to Georgiatis because uh, I'd be surprised if he got a game this week, even if he is fit. Um, that leaves us with Bunnell, Sturt, Rivers, Darcy Cameron, and McHenry. Uh, who are you looking at for your two trades if you're missing all of those guys? I think for me, quite quite easily, it would be Rivers and Bunnell. Um, Rivers just looked super composed wow. off the half-back line and... Honestly, we need all the defensive rookies that we can get. He's happened to be a defensive mid um, as well, so he's got the two positions, just uh, he's straight into my side. And Bunnell looked really good, JB. He only played 50% time on ground, still managed to score 59 points, so his points per minute were really high. I'd be super surprised if they carry him for the next month playing 50% time on ground. That will, that will increase. I'm not sure exactly at what rate it will increase, but he's definitely going to be pushing higher up towards that 70% mark um, throughout the season. And if he can maintain his points per minute, you know, we're looking at a player that's capable of averaging 80 plus as a rookie. And that catch generation to me is outstanding. Okay. Trust me, I've got a lot of follow-up questions on that answer. (laughs) Um, We'll start off with Benel because I think Rivers is cut and dry. I do agree. He's your number one priority, especially considering uh, the lackluster defensive rookies we've had thus far. I'm sure a lot of people will still have uh, Williamson or Gould on their bench who really need a second reliable player uh, that will actually score some points. So um, I can check off Rivers as our number one option. That takes me to Bunnell. So uh, you've now suggested to me that the most injury-prone player that we have as an option this week, um, despite <laughs> having good job security, sorry. Or ever. <laughs> or ever, yeah, potentially or ever, um, is our best trading option. Um how concerned are you that we're going to have someone uh, pretty much with maybe 20, 30K or, or nothing uh, on our bench there with a with a bit of an injury? Look, it's entirely possible, but I think that the reward outweighs the risk. We're talking about someone who's 123K that's averaged over 100 points per game before. This guy is... The, there's a reason he scored, like his points per um, minute were so high. It's because he's an excellent user of the ball, He's only going to get better as well. It's not like he's going to come out and this will be his best game of the year. He's going to get more time on ground and he's going to get better. He's going to just score way higher. Um, if he gets injured, he gets injured and I trade him out and I cop the 30K. But are you willing to you know, not get him at all and him potentially reach 400K? Like, There's definitely a chance that that happens and it's not something I'm willing to miss. Okay, so it's a little bit of um, missing out factor as well grouped in there, kind of like how we thought Doherty um, might not average what he's averaged in the past or might get injured or rested early in the season. But if he goes on to average 110 with 50% ownership, you're, you're, you're very sore. Yes. And Benel has a massive... He, well, if he doesn't already, he will have a massive ownership because everyone knows him. They don't know who um, Ned McHenry is, like the, the average player. They, they know who Harley Benel is. Fair enough. Okay, so I've got some more scenarios for you. 
Um, if I'm like you and I traded in a couple of players like Benel and Rivers last week, um, say I ignored Mick Henry. Now I've got two trades up my sleeve. Uh, I want to still bring in some cash generation. Maybe I want to fix a premium as well on the side there. I'm left with Sturt and Cameron uh, remaining here. So Sturt scored 100 in round one before getting injured in uh, for round two in the six-month layoff that he had there. He managed to get injured for round two. Um, cash generation early days should be good, uh, even if he does pull out a couple of 50s. It will stunt it, obviously, but um, he will get that initial jump, which will help. Cameron scored in the 70s on debut, uh, looks to be favoured over Cox at the moment, but I'm interested to see what you have to say as a Collingwood uh, perspective there. So I've got these two guys. Both of them look okay. I'm not convinced on either. Uh, what way should I be looking here? Well, before this round's even started, so in our last, last podcast after round one, we said, you know, Sturt's that type of player that could score 30. Like in any given week, he could just drop a 30-point and kill his cash generation. But you kind of have to get him when his break-even is, you know, minus 60-plus. If he gets 100 in the first week, and he's potentially going to make you 100K in two rounds. He's somebody that you just jump on, and if you have to run in, you know, cut and run, then then you do that. But, you know, he hopefully will be named. Um, I'm guessing Lob will move into the ruck this week with Darcy injury, and they'll bring in Hogan and hopefully Sturt as well. Um you know, for me, that that's ideal. As as a Collingwood supporter, though, um, Cameron, it's funny, JB. I think all Collingwood supporters like Cox like ten times more than non-Collingwood supporters. I don't think I've heard a non-Collingwood supporter that actually rates Cox. Like, does that person exist? Um, n- not on this podcast right now. <laughs> so uh, I, I haven't seen enough from Cox. I thought Cameron played really well against Richmond on the weekend. So. He was really good, you know, up the ground, and he took some good clunks, which is great, but his forward 50 presence was not there at all, and we really struggled to score, obviously. We were completely impotent moving forward, and um, for me, Cox just brings better forward structure, I and and Collingwood fans like Cox, and he, Cox kills Richmond. Like, Cameron played amazing. Cox plays better against Richmond. Um I don't think Cox will come straight back in. I think he'll need a week, maybe two weeks. But I do think that Cox finds his way back in the team over Cameron. Um, unless, you know, Cameron kicks a couple of goals next week and looks really good up forward. Um, I think that's what he's going to be asked to improve on. I, I think he did his work up the up the ground and, you know, taking marks, um, you know, when we needed that clear and kick out of the defense. And he was there. And that, that was fantastic. But he needs, you know, he's in the side as a forward. So he needs to perform in the forward line as well. And just to side out, we probably should refer to him as Mason from now on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure when you listen back. Uh, anyway, uh so we've got Sturr over Cameron at the moment. We've got Benel and Rivers as our two targets. Um, is there any world where you ignore those and go for someone like our next big talking topic, and that's Big Pit Net from Carlton? Uh, obviously scored really well against Max Gorn, of all people. Um, Cruiser looks to be out for an extended period, still looking up to two months, potentially. Uh, is he someone that could be a Riley O'Brien of last season and just make us a lot of cash? I think this is super team dependent. Um, if you have Naismith or I should say any other combination that's not Grundy and Gorn, I think that Pitney is a very good chance to enter your team as um, a top trade-in option. However, if you have Grundy and Gorn, 
I think that you can get away with passing. Yes, he will make the most money out of all of the rookies this week. But if you're choosing between, let's say, him and Bunnell, like there's every chance that Bunnell makes within 100k of Pitney, and for every week that he's on your bench as your R3, if you have Grundy and Gorn, that's money that you don't have invested on your field, and that's points. You know, money not on your field that's costing you points. So if you're losing. This goes back to the Naismith argument R3 again. But if you're losing, you know, 20, 30 points every week because you've spent this extra 150K that's off your field onto your bench and you're doing it for six weeks, that that 100K at the end is going to have to make you up that 120 points you've lost. And it just might not do it. And for me, it's like risk-reward. Um, I think Pitney was absolutely fantastic and he looked really good and I actually do expect him to average 100, but what happens if he comes out next week and he scores like 60? Like, he's a no-name Ruckman who's moved across. Um, You know, he finally gets his chance and yes, he did super well against Gorn, but there's no guarantee that this run continues whatsoever and it's a lot of money to invest on your bench for, you know, basically a giant gamble when there's other, I guess, options available. Okay, I've got another question uh, following up on this discussion. So Pitnet Giant Gamble might not go as well for the entire season as he did in his debut for Carlton. Um, Naismith is only 20k extra. If someone is able to find the money for Pitnet and invest another 20k, uh, I know we've had the Naismith on the bench discussion, but it, it's it's worth a revisit for those who are uh, getting in Pitnet and not owning Naismith still. Could that then be an option for them? Well, I, I still, if you don't have Grundy and Gone, I think that opens up a lot more. Like if you had Nick Nat, you know, doing Nick Nat to Pitney, I think is a fantastic move. You know, you have Pitney on the field. If you have Naismith, I assume he's going to miss again because he's quite injury prone. Um, Callum Sinclair played really well as well. Yeah. I mean, Naismith is still a better ruckman, but Callum Sinclair played very well. Um, I think you could run with uh, Naismith, Pitney, R2, R3 combination and just get away with that. It's still cheaper than having Gorn and Grundy and you get the cash generation out of both of them. Um, I think that is definitely a strong play. Yes, you have money on your bench, but we're not talking about, you know, if you have Grundy and Gorn, you know, you've lost 150k on your bench if you get Pitney, but when you already have Naismith as your R2, You've already got you know 500k on your field more than those with the Grundy and Gorn people outside of your ruck line, um, so I just feel like if you can you can get away with the pit and a and hope that he averages 100 and get I guess a, an extra super value pick um, because no other player at that price is going to average anywhere near pit and a. I agree. I think we're on the same page so far. So uh, I've got one more follow-up question and then we'll move on to the the premiums that we're looking to ship out or potentially ship out for this week. Um, My last question is Sam Jacobs. uh, was obviously humbled a little bit after his good debut for GWS. Um, He's made 26K sitting at 370K. Is it worth, if you've got Jacobs and Naismith, cashing Jacobs in already to go down to Pitney? Yeah. Look... Um, I think so. I know that Jacobs is probably going to monster English, but Pitney's going to make a lot more money. And the whole reason people chose Jacobs was to get points and money. And if Pitney's going to provide more points and more money, then it's kind of just a no-brainer for me. Like cash in what you've made. If you've, you've still made some money, um, you'll probably end up with a similar score, maybe a, a couple less points by having Pitney, but you'll make more money. And that pick was about generating cash. 
as a value pick anyway until you can work your way up to Gorn. So for me, it's just you're going to, if you don't do it, you're going to regret it at some stage because I'm sure Pitney and Jacobs will end up at a similar price at the end of the day. So um, yeah, I kind of, if you have the trades available this week, that is definitely a trade that I would be doing. But um, geez, the people that, that, that don't have Grundy and Gorn, it's um, interesting to see what trade they miss out on this week because they're probably going to get pit and A and they might then need to get another rookie or miss another rookie or they won't be able to fix other problems in their team like a, a Houston or a Bont. Supercoach 2020 were discussing Naismith, Sam Jacobs, pit and A. <laughs> it's come to this pistol. <laughs> what game are we playing? Who would have predicted this? It's crazy. Uh, crazy season, crazy scores from some of our premiums so far. Marcus Bontempelli, I think, is is at the head of the pack for the midfielders at least. Um, looks like he's going okay with midfield minutes and uh, uh, lining up at stoppages, centre-bats, attendances. He did have the most on the weekend with 23. That didn't stop him from scoring an underwhelming score in the 90s still. Um, or was it 89? I might have uh, tuned out a little bit too early there. But uh, he just has not cut the mustard, and now he's got, I think it's DePore this week. So uh, it's not looking great. I mean, I would be surprised if Bevo didn't try and change things up. That forward line was atrocious. Maybe they play Bont as a forward to escape the DeBoer tag. Again, it's not good for Bont's supercoach scores. Um, it's a real possibility. And at this stage, the dogs look like a mess and Bont and Pelly looks like a mess. I would be really trying hard to get him the Lockie Neal um, and just call it a day and, you know, you're not paying an absolute fortune to do it, and Neil is just on absolute fire um, and likely reigning this weekend as well. So and I, I feel like that's going to really help his contested gameplay, and Lucky Neil's going to dominate again. So um, for me, that would be something I'd try and do. It, it, it's a cut on Bontempelli for me. Can someone please tag Lucky Neil for us who don't own him? It's unbelievable how much space he gets. Uh, I'll move on to Bontempelli's teammate, Jackson McRae. Look to be playing a different role for some unknown reason. Only the nine centre bounce attendances. One of the best midfielders in the competition in there. Is Bevo going to come to his centres or is this another stepping stone? Oh, JB, Hunter has killed not just his team but our super coach picks because he's an amazing wingman and McRae is now lining up on the wing and we have to wait all the way for Hunter to come back in the side from his suspension to fix this, I guess, McRae mess. But McRae's not somebody that generally scores like really badly, so he's not going to hurt you. It's just not going to be good value, which is still hurting. But when Hunter comes back in the side, we're going to want to get McRae again, and it's, it's a little bit of a pain. And unless you have, like, I mean, who whose biggest problem is McRae right now? I have to wonder what sort of teams people have if literally th- their biggest issue is like, ah, oh, yeah, Jackson McRae. I mean, the answer's... I, I would still hold. I wouldn't even trade him to Lockie Neal. I think for me, that's um, probably not a popular opinion, but McRae's going to come good at some stage of the season and his floor is still really high. So yeah, it's just, we're going to have to rock on with him. I do agree. And I think the Bulldogs figured it out late last year when they went on a bit of a stretch of wins that their best midfield somehow leaves them more competitive in game. Uh, Bevo, for some reason, has decided to go against that logic and play his best midfield outside of the midfield, and it's not working. Obviously, there, there's <laughs> something going on at the Bulldogs. They've not won 
games like they they were last year. So surely common sense kicks in and McRae goes back into the middle. Anyway, we'll talk about one last midfielder, and that is someone else who whose role seems to have been impacted by another player, and that's Josh Kelly. So uh, if you watched on the weekend, he didn't have many centre-bounce attendances for the team. He's obviously one of their elite inside midfielders and outside midfielders, which might be a curse for him. But it wasn't even Callum Ward that was pushing him out. Callum Ward only had five centre-bounce attendances. It looked to be Jacob Hopper, Canelio, and Matt DeBoer who uh, gobbled up all the centre-bounce attendances. So uh, those three had 15-plus, Josh Kelly just the 10. uh, And that's that's out of, uh, I think, 24 for the game. So uh, not even half for Josh Kelly. And you could tell his scoring was obviously down. He got points for nothing during the game that kept him afloat. Uh, he did end up putting out a respectable score, but it's not something that you might want to be confident in in the future. Have we got another McRae here, Pistol, or have we got another Bonds and Pelly? This is an interesting one. I mean, look, Taranto is still out, and for me, it seems like this could be Kelly's role this season. Um, I guess it depends on how GWS are going. Clearly, not very well after last week, but... Um, you know, if they get some wins on the board and he's playing at the wing, and this was kind of an outside role that they played at the end, he played at the end of last season. Um, Kelly's somebody that has an enormous ceiling, and he will reach it at some point. Uh, I'm expecting a 200 game at some stage, but he's also going to get a lot of scores that are between 95 and 115, and just keep pegging away at it. I personally. And probably a little bit biased because I didn't like him as a pick and haven't liked him as a pick for years um, because of like his, I mean, he's got an extremely high high ceiling and extremely high floor. I feel like he's just so consistent. I don't get much out of him if I've already missed the massive score. So um, for people that have him, you're either holding for the massive score. If you don't have him, I probably am not looking forward to, I wouldn't be looking at trading him in. I'd be worried that when Taranto comes back, the midfield ends up being Taranto, Hopper, and then I got Canelio and DeBoer rotation as well um, between all of them. So um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, JB. You might have an entirely different perspective of what people with Josh Kelly should do. I'm a huge advocate for Josh Kelly in every sense because I love him as a player and enjoy watching him. The scary thing is is that you, you, you ride the injury risk for someone who doesn't go below 90 and rarely actually goes below 120 when he plays. If he's changed his role and he, he sort of had taken away some of the higher scoring games or the consistently 110 plus scores, then you're playing a player that does have a large injury risk and it also isn't really knocking on the door of the top five midfielders, which kind of you know levels out that risk when you select him. I'd be worried if I was a Josh Kelly owner, but I wouldn't be trading him uh, obviously just yet. I'd be seeing how the next couple of weeks go and how how Giants bounce back. He'd be on my radar though. He'd be probably, if, if I had him in my side, um, doesn't matter what my issues are, he's probably one of the players I'm watching closely each weekend just to see uh, how his role's progressing, how GWS are progressing. And as soon as it looks like he's locked into this for the season, I'd be getting me out of, him out of my team. Yeah, I just look at his scores when he came back from injury in round 22 last year. He had an 82, a 124, a 108, a 118, a 111, and a 64 in the grand final. Probably won't count the grand final um, score. <laughs> no, I, think but, were, I think he was the highest score for GW. Uh, yeah, not great. <laughs> but but those are kind of the s- scores I expect from him. Like they, They're good and they like pepper a high mark, but they're not 
excellent. And I, I feel like when you pay the price for Kelly and you pay his, I guess, injury risk price, you want excellent. Um, if you if you really have no bigger issues and you have all the rookies and it's super team dependent, I'd probably try and get him to Lockie Neal. Um, and that's probably a big call. But otherwise, you know, it's a, it's a if you have... Um, other issues like cash generation or you're missing one of the rookies, it's definitely get them first and just hold your primos. You've selected them for a reason and just keep the faith. Okay. Well, I am going to move into the defensive uh, problems now. We're going to start off with someone who I was actually quite shocked that you alerted me pre-podcast that this man was the fourth traded out player uh, in all of Supercoach at the moment. And that's John Noble. So, uh, his break-even is still down at 15. He obviously had a tough matchup against the Tigers this week. Uh, didn't score didn't score well at all. Obviously, he just put out the 41 points. But surely people have better things to do than to trade out John Noble. I think it's a situation at, like they're, they're sort of seeing this Rivers guy break out with a 62. They trade Noble to Rivers. In their mind, they, they're getting you know an extra 10 points on field per game. Also pocketing a, quite a bit of money and making a move elsewhere. Um, the thing that I'm confused about is surely these people have a BJ Williams on the bench or a, a Will Gould or someone who's not playing because there aren't that many defensive rookies. There aren't enough defensive rookies, and some people even have Brander in their forward line, so uh, I'm not sure how they're coping. Um, John Noble is in almost the furthest back deepest part of my mind in trading out this week. I think people are removing him to Rivers so that they can probably afford Pitney because he's like the same price as Noble. So that's probably why they're looking to trade him out rather than, um, you know, another rookie because other rookies don't generate enough cash. Um, I will say, though, that, you know, trading him out, it, this is this is a hold unless he's dropped. It's kind of the same as Robertson. You just keep going and hopefully he makes a little bit more money and we can trade him out to somebody like Hill whenever he plays or, or another defensive rookie or we can upgrade him to a fallen primo. Um, it's kind of a just hold and pray. Um, I don't think you're going to get a big benefit out of, I guess, yeah, as you said, like what do you get out of trading him to Rivers? There'll be another problem in your team that you're not addressing if that's the trade that you have to do most likely. Um so yeah, maybe some people are trading him up to Ridley, um, who's only 120k more, and I can kind of understand that. Um, if you don't have a Houston problem, um, I guess Noble to Ridley would be an okay use of money as well. Ridley putting out 194, 100, and then a 94, not 194. <laughs> that would um, be nicer. <laughs> that would be huge. So I, I can I can kind of see that as a trade option, but otherwise a little bit stumped, JB. Yeah, I'm also stumped. Uh, I wouldn't advise uh, trading out Noble. Like you said, I'm sure there are much larger problems in your team. Uh, I don't think anyone has a full playing bench at the moment, and they definitely don't in the back line. So um, I'm going to move on to a couple of crows before I get on to obviously the biggest issue of all our teams uh, coming up probably last, so we can have a good discussion. Brody Smith, um, a few people started him, and I'm going to couple him with Rory Laird. So um, crows have had a tough start to the season. Their players... Um, Brody Smith has the role as well, might I add. So he, if I can just scroll up here, he went into 11 of the Crows' um, 
Cruises oh, is a great word. Yes, Cruises. So, uh, that, that's when you, that's when you know I'm stalling while my laptop tries to scroll up. Uh, Eleven out of twenty six centre bounces for the Crows. Uh, so he's, he is getting that midfield minute, um, and then he's also playing well off of the halfback, or not playing well off of halfback, but he's playing a role that he has scored well in off of halfback, um, and he's not scoring points. Uh, and then we've got Laird, conversely, who's not playing a midfield role, is playing his uh, usual seagull-type behavior and is also not quite scoring well enough for a premium defender. So uh, what are your thoughts on these two? Are Crows just going to be slightly worse or... A lot worse. More, more than slightly <laughs> worse. Uh, and is that is that just going to affect the whole team? Uh, do we not try and pick out on their premiums? What's the situation here that you're noticing? Look, Crows are really bad. Um, they're losing a large slice of that 3,300 pie every week. They are underdogs to Gold Coast this week, by the way. Oh, my gosh. And and honestly, it's deserved. Like, Crows are a little bit in shambles at the moment, but they still have these point scorers like Matt Crouch and Brad Crouch and um, Sloan and players that actually do get a decent amount of points. Like, maybe they're not going to get 120 every week. I mean, they could, but um, they're still going to be getting at minimum 80 every week. And it's just, you know, eating up the rest of the team's points when there's not that many to go around. And I feel like Smith is someone that doesn't really win so much of his own ball and is very reliant on his teammates getting it into him and him using it well to get points. And that's just not the scoring system this year. That's not the type of player that you want on your side. So for me, for Smith, it's a hard sell. Laird is a little bit different. Um, as an accumulator, he's going to have some good games and some bad games, but with the way Crows are going, if there's not bigger problems, you know, you could easily flick him to free up some money if you want to get someone like Jeremy Howe or, or Stewart instead. Um, I think Tom Stewart's probably at a, it's some more, more similar price. 32k um, more is Stewart. Geez, it's actually quite a lot. It's <laughs> yeah, dropped 17. Stewart's pretty much gone up that. Yeah, look, they... It's it's a tough it's a tough call. I I'd be more leaning towards holding Laird, like because surely Laird's not like if do people just have like Laird and then How and then Doherty like then I guess you could trade Laird and if you've got all the rookies I feel like people have Houston to fix first or they have Smith to fix first or Bont and Pelly like I'd I'd keep Laird over all of these types of players. Um, but I mean really if you don't have any of those. It's super team dependent, then yeah, I, I guess trade led to Howe or Stewart. They're the only real premiums uh, in the back line that I trust. JB, I, I do want to address something and get your opinion though. Outside of Howe and, I guess, Stewart, is there another premium that you trust to trade in right now? And also, would you downgrade, because I see this happening, people are downgrading him and I should say Houston all the way down to Ridley to be able to free up enough money to make their R3 into Pitney, is that something that you'd be recommending? You've just jumped about five talking points ahead of the queue right here, Pistol, and the host does not enjoy that at all. Um, <laughs> let me get to your questions in two seconds. Firstly, with Rory Lady, he did score 88 in the first round when they were competitive, 72 in a huge blowout to Port, and then he's got Gold Coast, Brisbane, Fremantle. I they might get blown out against Brisbane, but surely they're competitive in the other two. Uh, you would have bigger issues in your team, so I'm okay with holding Laird and uh, selling Smith, who's a bit of a downhill skier. Um, now to address your question, 
Um, the return of Bashar Huli has given me a little bit of hope in defense this week. So obviously we've got Stewart and we've got Howe who have started well. Um, I traded in Hearn who I think will still be good uh, if they don't get kicked by 40 points to Gold Coast every single week. Um, <laughs> but Huli returned well. His break-even is just 106, so he's going to maintain price, obviously. Uh, you don't have to con- be concerned about that. But 111 in the first round back. Um, obviously, Shaw is still playing. He's still playing football, so that's great. Um, and not really affecting his premium status. Uh, they've got a couple of games at the MCG. I mean, they've got one at the MCG coming up. And then they play at... Oh, okay, they move after that. Excellent. Okay, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but we know he's an MCG specialist, so he's going to score well again this week. Um, I just think he's good for a consistent 90+. plus. Yeah. In a year where um, there's really no defensive uh, juggernauts per se, um, Stewart because he's got so many home games, uh, Doherty should be good for the for the season, and then you've, you're really looking down at Hearn, Hooley, uh, the types of players that you just want to rely on for a ninety plus. Um, that's why I think a lot of people have a full or strong forward line at the moment because there's uh, so many of those guys performing, it's hard to really get one wrong up there. Uh, and then midfield is is a, a little predictable despite um, the Bulldogs not scoring so well at the moment. So um, defense is the problem place at the moment for rookies and for premiums alike. But um, Jeremy Howe, Tom Stewart, the obvious one and two candidates with Bashar Hooli, I think, right behind them. Yeah. No, I think you've nailed it there, JB. But is it time now to finally talk about your man, Dan Houston? Yes, so uh, Dan Houston, I'll I'll try and first of all I'll try and explain what I think has happened with his scoring. Um, so what's happened in the two games that Port have played this year is we've won by large margins, and I'm not just trying to show off there, as happy as I am about it, but that is a, a little bit of a factor in my opinion. So the players like Rockliffe, Travis Boak, um, and Robbie Gray, for example. Ebert's been killing it as well. Ebert has been killing it too. But my main point is the players that have a lot of um, time behind them and and playing as clearance machines are doing well regardless of the situation. So we're up by, you know, six, seven goals and they're still just being masterful clearance players. Um, As far as Dan Houston goes, I I don't know if the competitiveness of the games is... Um, been worse for him. <laughs> the fact that I think tighter games last season when he was scoring well as a midfield midfielder uh, seemed to have favoured him, but um, pretty much no excuses. He's he's not cutting it as a midfielder at the moment. I think with uh, the with Burton being injured this coming round, I think there's a strong chance that Ollie Wines comes in for Burton and Houston plays out of half back again, like he he did for much of his career early on. I don't think it's failed per se, but I don't think this is the season that he's going to be super coach relevant, which I really wanted it to be, to be honest, because uh, he was defensive eligible. the The role was right. Um, the role is is still might be right from from going forward, but he just hasn't been performing as he did at the end of last season. So. Um, it's a little bit confusing, but it is what it is. Um, obviously, it's the wrong call now. Everyone who has him, including myself, should be looking to trade him out. Um, How is the obvious option? A very similar price. I know a couple of people can't even penny pinch up to there, which brings you all the way back to your question earlier about Jordan Ridley, who has started the season off extremely well. And um, I want to punch it back to you because <laughs> I think you're better equipped to answer it than I am. What do you think of Jordan Ridley as a player to go down to 
uh, and spend the money elsewhere instead of uh, trying to reach up to a Jeremy Howe. Jeremy Howe's 20K away. I'd feel way more comfortable getting a Howe than a Ridley. I mean, Essendon have a decent draw, you know, coming up. I spoke about that last week on the podcast. So I definitely think Ridley's capable of averaging 90 in that time, but it's just like a risk that I didn't really want to take. I selected Houston thinking he'd be a back premium, I'd feel, unless I'm doing a massive restructure, which I probably can't now with two trades. I'd feel much more safer getting, you know, a how option. Um, I think some people might be getting Ridley so that they can upgrade someone like Bonson Pelly to Neil, and I can see merit in that, but I, I can't really see merit in just upgrading an R3 um, and getting someone like Pitney on the bench because you're not really, you're not gaining anything on your field. You've really downgraded a premium to a mid-pricer and you're going to upgrade that mid-pricer later in the year. So, um I would be upgrading him to Stewart or Howe, but JB, a couple of people saying they've missed the boat on Howe already. Um, he's had two good scores. Ha- have you missed the boat if you haven't gotten Howe? Not at all. So uh, as you described last week on the podcast, he, you're not buying Howe to make you money. Um, despite him still having an incredibly low break even as a bit of a fail safe, if he does uh, so happen to turn into a potato for the rest of the season, um, he is a premium option. So um, <clears throat> someone sent me his scores while I was still in denial earlier today. And uh, essentially his last, I think it's... Is it 10? Because it was 10, me. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, Eccles. Eccles. Shout out to Eccles. You oh, didn't send on. it to me. I you, sent you it tried... in the chat. No, you don't help me at all. Um, so he's put up totally 90, true. 100, 84, 106, 115. He's got a 58 in there, but then follows that with a 116, 130, 156, and 126. And that 126 could have so easily, had he not made a few clangers early in the game, been a 150 again. So uh, the Pies game style, which has changed to a bit of chip-chip footy in the back line, um, obviously favors him. He's still taking huge inset marks, which means a lot this year, obviously. And he's just been pivotal to the to the Pies success thus far. So um, you've not missed the boat. I think he's a premium who's undervalued. It's what you bought Houston for at the start of the season anyway. So if you can't justify the price, then I don't know how you ended up with Houston in your team in the first place. Um, I, I just think at this point, if you have been in denial thus far, like me, uh, you got to bite the bullet and admit you were very wrong about two things, which was Houston and Jeremy Howe. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that, JB. How as well, it's not just the chip-chip footy. You know, he's got this this role, but also potentially, I'm not sure. I know he was taking the kickouts in this match, and he usually is on kickouts. And last year, Maynard took a lot of kickouts throughout the year. Maybe it was a confidence thing with Jeremy missing um, large parts through injury. But um, when he's playing as confidently as he is, he's nailing targets like long kicks down the line, hitting targets, cross-field, um, in a year where the defenders seem a little bit all over the shop, you can afford for him to be a complete miserable 90 pick from here on out. I don't think he will be. I think he's realistically going to average 100 from here on out. But um, this is, for a 20K upgrade on Houston, I think it's a, a no-brainer for me. i got one more question for you before we wrap up, Pistol. Yep, and then i got one more question for you. Okay, lovely. Um, <laughs> if you have Dan Houston... You don't have Harley Bunnell. You went early on Rivers and you've got Sturt for some reason. Um, 
you've obviously got to prioritize getting in Harley Bennell for that cash gen like you talked about. He could be one on one in you know every ten year rookie where he just builds and builds and builds and, and plays really well eventually, um, makes a lot of cash. But you've got no money in the bank, so you can't possibly get to Howe if you go Bennell. What do you think? Do we hold Houston for a week? Do we skip Bennell and try and find the twenty k somewhere? Do we go down with Houston instead? What, what What's your thought process there? Do we not sideways a, a rookie who's not playing? Maybe go for um, someone who's played a, a couple of poor games and made a little bit of cash? Where, where are we at there? That's a tough question. I think I'd be getting Benel, um first and then just dealing with Houston next week if I had to. They do play Fremantle, which is going to be an okay matchup for Houston, I think. So... Um, yeah, it's just prioritize the cash generations before the failed Primo pick still. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. It does. Thank you. Now, what do you have for me? So, I've got a couple of things. Um, oh, man, you said one thing. Yeah, I got two things, actually. Yeah. Um, so, I traded in Greenwood this week, and you traded in... I thought you were going to jump in, but you traded in Simkin, and you were very <laughs> happy about that. Um, yes. Simkin scored 105. Greenwood scored 95. Um, I just want to say, for people who are deciding between... A, a forward premium option. If we throw Rosie into the mix as well, between all oh, of them, don't do this to me. <laughs> which which one of them are we picking, and why? Okay, I don't think I'm picking Rosie as much as that pains me to say. Uh, wow, wow. I, I know. I really want to see what he does in a tighter, more contested game, not one where we're playing against what looks to be traffic cones type of thing. So um, I'm not. I mean, Fremantle have been really competitive th- so far this season. They've had two heartbreaking losses uh, out of two rounds. So um, I assume they're going to bring it to us and we'll see a lot more about what Rosie can do in the tighter situations. But um, I'd much rather see him play in a loss or a tighter game. Uh, Simpkin, on the other hand, he was exceptional round one. Uh, he was on 52 points a three-quarter time, which I thought was extremely... Uh, unders for what he was doing in the game. I thought he played really, really well in round two and then stormed home with a 50-point last quarter to get 105. But um, I'm concerned what would have happened if he didn't play as well in the last quarter and ended up with around a 70. I think Greenwood in his style of play and the way he's so contested and that the, the fact that that just generates bulk points in, in bunches this year, I would have to say Greenwood is the safest option, uh, followed by... Probably Rosie at this point, considering his explosiveness thus far, and then potentially followed by Simpkin. But I think all three are genuinely great options. Like I I would not talk anyone off of any of them this week. Yeah, I think you explained that really well. I mean, I think some people would be really surprised to see Simpkin just have a pure midfield role this year. Um, He's he attended one of the most centre bounces on the weekend. He's playing entirely midfield, and he's a really good player. But he is really young, so there will be games where he just I think scores in those seventies and sixties and gets knocked around a fair bit. Um, I feel much more confident in the body of Greenwood. You know, he's, he's a tough man. Um, and that super coach style, I watched the game and I watched Greenwood. He wasn't very good. He had seven clangers, seven in shortened game time is a ridiculous amount of clangers, you know, 42% by foot. Um, it's 42% disposal efficiency. And, 72% time on ground. So if he wasn't playing in the mid midfield, he was on the bench. No resting forward for him. And he still scored 95. This is a guy where he's one day he's going to get zero clangers and he's going to end up 
just scoring like 140 or 150. Like the, the scoring system suits him to an absolute T and he's somebody that I'm very happy that I got and I would definitely recommend getting him at some stage when completing a team. JB, before we end it, I'm just going to end on something completely crazy. If Grundy oh, yeah. is sore this week because of that back knock that he got, yep. if he's in, if they mention that he's sore or he's you know 50-50 to play, would you consider doing a move where it's Grundy down to Pitney and an on-field rookie? Let's say you have Kavara and you do a Buderick flick and you can upgrade him to Lockie Neal. Would you be getting Neal and Pitney over Grundy and a rookie? Oh, my God. <laughs> this, this is the most pistol question I think I've faced ever in my life. Uh, no, I wouldn't. And uh, I'm sure you've done the statistics and, and found that the points for Pitney and Neil are probably come out on top if Pitney averages around 90 and Neil 120, for example. But uh, the consistency of Grundy, knowing that he'll be a top two Ruckman guaranteed, knowing that he's a captaincy option, I know uh, Neil presents that as well as a captaincy option, but... Um, and then and then trying to get Pitney up to Grundy, it just I I don't I don't like. It. I'd rather get Darcy Cameron on my bench and cover him that way and, and get a seventy for the week, um, than than trust that you know Pitney will, will continue scoring anywhere near what what he's done so far, or trust that Neil won't eventually get tagged. You can't tag Grundy. Uh, he's guaranteed to go one thirty for the season. That's just what he does. Um, I think I'd be you'd have to you'd have to convince me a lot better than what what you have so far so and i know you're capable of that i haven't so even tried to try. convince you i'd rather I, you I didn't try please don't um but yeah no i'm i'm trusting gorn for the season uh sorry grundy gorn okay i'm uh, trusting both of them look, actually i think i think it's a question that needs to be asked i think it's highly team dependent you can't do it if you don't have grundy and gorn and you can't do it if you have six midfielders already because you'd be pushing um, a picket or a row to your bench. I'm not even sure you can do it if you have five midfielders because then you'd be pushing Benel to the bench and he might still be good enough. I think if you have four midfielders, you have Grundy and Gorn and something's wrong with Grundy. I think you, there's points to be made by making the trade. If you think of Grundy and a rookie on your field, you're probably thinking Grundy 130 and a rookie 60, 190 points. Neil and Pitt and they could end up getting like 220 points per game and whilst Grundy is a captaincy option for the next month we're going to be captaining Gorn because he's got easy opponent after easy opponent coming off a 184 looking absolutely phenomenal as well Gorn's going to be my captain um so I'm, I'm not too worried about those about that and you know that cash generation of Pitney does um you know scream out at me but obviously you'd need to have the other rookies like Benel and Rivers already as well so super hugely team dependent but I think it's just crazy enough that it might work, JB. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, How can we end on that note? I feel like we can't end on that note. That's <laughs> shocking. I think if Grundy was out for two weeks, confirmed, I would be tempted because I I, I don't want to have... Yeah, I, I, I would be tempted with two plus weeks. With just one week out... I think I could aptly cover him and, and get back into it. I mean, Darcy Cameron will be solo rocking that one week as well. So um, That is true. He it, will it would, score well as a yes. solo ruck. So, uh, it's look, you've got me interested, but you've also got me 
scared and confused as well. So <laughs> I don't know what that does for you, but um, I think we're going to wrap it up there on that note. And uh, and hopefully we don't have to talk about this again. Please be okay this week, Grundy. Please <laughs> don't don't do this to me. Um, it was great having you on, Pistol. Uh, I hope today was informative uh, for those considering their trades. Um, I, for one, I think I'll be locking in Houston to Howe personally and then going uh, for Benel in the midfield via Butterica and Kavara switch there. So I think my moves are quite easily laid out in front of me. Yeah, I think I'm going to do Kavara to Sturt if he's named and then Houston to uh, Stewart because I already have Howe. So that that's quite simplistic trades for me this week. So, you It'll know, fun only Stewart. He's going to be good for the season. Yeah, I mean, if Sturt's not named... Um, and I can't afford Pitney and I have all the rookies. So that will be a very interesting um, conversation in my mind. That, conversation that's what, for Thursday podcast. <laughs> conversation perhaps. ends up being, when do I do Grundy to Pitney? No. <laughs> oh, no, please. If, that, if that's your thinking when it comes to Thursday, I'm not having you on. Um, it was great having you here, mate. Uh, always thinking outside the box, obviously. So if you want to catch us and pistols outside the box thinking on twitter you can find him at pistol underscore drsc myself at jb underscore drsc and then obviously chizo with a z at underscore drsc the main twitter is dr underscore sc so uh, we'll catch up with you again during the week when teams drop and boy oh boy i hope grundy is named thanks for listening community and we'll catch you later